So today is a continuation of our, our series, Underdogs. And today we're talking about a guy named Moses. Um, but clearly I'm, I'm outside of my comfort zone here, right? Like I don't have a guitar today. I have nothing to hide behind. I'm on this headset mic, so I don't really know what to do with my hands. So it's like, it's just a little step outside of my comfort zone. But today, uh, like Pastor Chuck said, I would love it if we would just agree from the get-go that if I say something that you even remotely agree with, just give me a little amen, give me a little affirmation, shout a hallelujah, something. Something. Can we do that? Can we do that? Yeah. All right. You guys are already a little more lively than 9:30, so this is going to be good. This is going to be good. We're going to go somewhere today. Um, but uh, today, we just want to recap real quick where we've been in this series. So, so who was the person that we talked about in week one of Underdogs? Gideon, Gideon. And what was significant about Gideon was that he faced a battle of belief, like a literal battle of belief. And he had to learn how to trust God in this battle of belief. And God showed up in an amazing way and delivered on his promise. And we see from Gideon, the line that resonated from that day was that when God's on your side, you ain't no dang underdog, right? What was week two? Week two, who was that? Y'all weren't here for week two? Josiah, Josiah. Josiah, King Josiah, and what's significant about King Josiah, he was this really young guy who became king, came from this terrible lineage of just awful kings, but yet the word of God intersected his life and it changed his heart and it changed the direction of his future. And when the word of God is applied to our lives, it creates this wholehearted devotion to God. Amen, right? And that's kind of where we're at today in week three with Moses. But when I hear the name Moses, I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear the name Moses, there are two thoughts that pop into my head. And there may be more that pop into your head, or you may not even know who Moses is, but we're going to get there today. But the first thought that pops into my head, the first thing that I hear when I think of Moses is this little clip right here. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And that is the classic 1956, The Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. Yeah, all right, we got some fans. If you have a solid six hours this afternoon, you can sit down and watch that movie, and you can know, too, uh, what was in that film there, and it's based on the life of Moses, and Charlton Heston, uh, very white man, played Moses, I don't know, he spoke really good English, it wasn't maybe accurate, but there you go. The second thing that I hear when I think of Moses is a clip that, uh, that maybe, uh, well, you'll just have to watch it. Come on now, come on, do the motions, you know the motions. Y'all weren't good sports with that, you didn't really participate. But that's okay, that's okay. We're gonna, we're gonna move it. Yes, I saw it. Okay, I saw a little bit. But yes, so I hear these things in my head. And I don't know what you hear in your head when you think about Moses. Um, but today I know that we have this in common, at least. That today we're not here by accident. That God has a purpose for us being here today. And that when we dive into the word of God, he speaks through his word. And he wants to say something to us today. So if you're watching online or you're here today, it's not by accident. So without further ado, we're going to dive into the story of Moses. And we're going to see how the story of Moses was really one that can teach us about navigating the tension of trusting God. And uh, if you've got a Bible, would you go ahead and just turn with me to the book of Exodus. So Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, 
If you get to Leviticus, you've gone too far and you're gonna be confused and bored for the rest of the day. But the second book of the Bible, Exodus, Exodus. And uh, Moses was this really unlikely hero, but to understand why he was an unlikely hero, we have to understand a little bit of the backstory. So just like this, this Cliff Notes version of the backstory that gets us to this point, right? So track with me, I'm gonna talk really fast here and we're gonna get through this and then we're gonna lock in on Moses. All right, you ready? I'm talking like the beginning, like God created man. Okay, here we go. God created man, we had perfect, communion with God, and then sin enters the world. We rebel against God, and we break that connection to the presence of God because of our rebellion. And because of that, we are disconnected from God, and he is the one who brings life. So death enters the world because of sin. So everything is broken and messed up. We have royally messed up this opportunity, this beautiful thing that God created. But yet God, because he loves us, doesn't leave us in that situation. He, he begins to, to make a way, and he gives this promise to this guy named Abraham. And he makes a covenant with him, and he says that through Abraham, I am going to bless all peoples, and I'm going to restore access to my presence. And if you obey God, I will multiply your people, I will protect them, and I will lead them to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And this is going to be a theme. This is a promise that God gave. So we call Abraham's descendants the Israelites, and through a series of events, the Israelites find themselves in Egypt. And who is the ruler of Egypt? Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the ruler of Egypt. So they find themselves in Egypt. There is a, uh, a descendant of Abraham who has basically saved the nation of Egypt from this great famine. And as a thank you, Pharaoh says, you can bring your family here and they will also be saved from this great famine. And here we find ourselves, these 70 Israelites find their way to Egypt, but over 400 years pass by, and just like God promised, they keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And then we dive into Exodus 1, and generations have passed, and there's this Pharaoh who does not see the Israelites with favor. This is what it says in Exodus 1 in verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not remember Joseph, the one who had helped save Egypt. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. And he doesn't stop there. He even goes on to command that the first, uh, the, the male children of the Israelites should be put to death. They should be killed. So this is slavery and genocide mandated towards God's people by Pharaoh, all because he's afraid of their growing power. And for some reason, they just keep multiplying. Do you remember the promise? For some reason, they just keep multiplying, and Pharaoh is afraid. But even in the oppression that he enacts, God hasn't forgotten the covenant that he made with Abraham. And we see in Scripture that he hears the cries of his people, and he begins a plan to free them. And his plan happens through the life of an unlikely hero named Moses. So what makes Moses an underdog? Well, first of all, Moses wasn't supposed to survive. He was a male Israelite. He was supposed to be put to death when he was born. But Exodus 2, it describes how uh, Moses' mother hides him for three months. And, and when he's too old to, to even remain hidden anymore, she puts him in this basket and he floats down the river. And in an unlikely series of events that only God could orchestrate, he floats down this river. And who finds him? Do you know this story? Pharaoh's daughter. 
Pharaoh's daughter finds this, this Israelite child that's supposed to be put to death, and she sees him and has pity on him. And she takes him, and he's raised up in Pharaoh's courts. So what an unlikely situation, right? Supposed to be put to death. Pharaoh's daughter finds him. Now he's being raised in Pharaoh's courts, but yet he's still an Israelite. He's still an Israelite, and he knows that he's still an Israelite, and as he grows, he begins to see this tension of how his people are being treated and knowing of a promise that God had made to his people. So he, he continues to grow up, and it, this all kind of reaches ahead, and he's, he's in this situation where he, uh, he encounters an Egyptian that's mistreating an Israelite, and, and Moses lashes out in anger, and he murders this Egyptian. And scripture describes how he, he has found out the thing that he has done, this wrong thing that he has done is found out, and he has to flee as a fugitive, lest he be put to death. So, we find Moses now living in this, this land called Midian, and he thinks he's going to live the rest of his life out there in Midian in, in relative peace, I guess, compared to being killed by Pharaoh. But God has a different plan, and here is where we begin to learn four incredible lessons from Moses. So are you ready? All right. Like on the edge of your seat. And this passage, this scripture from Exodus is so good. It, it preaches itself. I'm, I'm not preaching this to you this morning. I'm just sharing what the Lord has been teaching me through this passage. And the first thing that I learned, if you're a note taker, big point number one was this, that, that in this story, Moses had to learn to trust God's promise. He had to learn to trust God's promise. And in Exodus 3, it says this, and and Moses is out tending to the flock, and, and he's just doing his thing, living life. And in verse 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. The story of the burning bush. Do you remember this story? So God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off of your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. There wasn't anything special about the ground until God showed up. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I don't know about you, but sometimes when we encounter God in a really real way like this, it can almost be alarming when we're presented with how broken we are and how good God is. It's like this tension that exists. In verse 7, it goes on to say, The Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Are you seeing the theme here? Continued promise of God that he had given to Abraham. But don't miss this. In verse 10, this is the turning point of the story right here. God says to Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So there it is. Not only did God speak to Moses and remind him of a promise, but he invites him into the middle of the story and says, I'm going to use you to fulfill the promise that I made. Whew. Moses is like... Uh, 
God, surely you have the wrong guy. And I think in a lot of ways, we're a lot like Moses when, when the Lord tells us something, when he, when he calls us to something, and when he lays this path before us, we begin to give every excuse in the book as to why we are not the right person for this call. He says, Lord, I don't even speak well. I, I, maybe I'm calling you by the right name. Is Lord even your name? Like, I don't even know what to call you. I certainly have no authority. There's no way that I'm going to be able to go back to Pharaoh. I'm a fugitive. Don't you know all of this? And God responds to him in verse 12, and he says this, Moses, I'm going to use you. In verse 12, he, uh, he says, I will be with you. This shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And notice the language that he used here. He gave him this promise that I will be with you. And he's talking about this thing as if it was already done. Not if, when. You see, Moses got a promise and it gave him a purpose. Moses got a promise and it gave him a purpose. The Lord was laying out this purpose for him, but he had to choose whether or not he was gonna believe God at his word, that this is already a done deal. If you follow me, this is a matter of when, not if. So Moses had to decide and learn in this moment of whether or not he could trust God's promise. And the story continues on. Thankfully, he chooses to trust God at his promise. And he goes, but then begins part two, the story. Big point number two, Moses had to learn to trust God's process. You see, God gave a promise, but then God began to walk Moses through a process. And this is true of us as well. The next several chapters of Exodus, they're, they're like this wild, crazy ride. And um, God sends Moses back to Egypt and he tells him to confront Pharaoh. He tells little old Moses to command powerful Pharaoh, just like we saw in that clip, let my people go. And this is something that's repeated and Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he doesn't listen to what God has told him. But God knew this. God sent Moses into the middle of something that he knew he was gonna face opposition in. And it wasn't to dishearten Moses and it wasn't to make him begin to doubt what it was meant to do was to teach him that even in the middle of the process, in the messy middle, when you don't see how there's going to be any way this works out, you can trust me. You can trust me. He had to learn how to trust the process. And so often there's a process that God walks us through. And before we see his promise fulfilled, he walks us through a messy middle. And maybe today you are, you are like right there in the messy middle, right? I, I don't know exactly what the Lord is doing in, in your heart and in your life, but maybe you're in a season where you feel like the Lord is, is trying to grow you up in some area of your life, but there's this thing, there's this thing, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's learning how to be a good steward of, of God's resources, but yet there's this financial situation that just seems impossible to break through. Maybe you're trying to learn how to be a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, a better friend, but yet there's this fracture in a relationship that seems like there is just no way that this is gonna be healed. You're in the messy middle. And what God was trying to teach Moses that as he walks us through the process, 
we begin to see that God is there in the middle of it, that he's with us. See, Moses got to witness this firsthand after all these plagues come through. Pharaoh eventually re- relents and he lets the people go. And they, they're, if you know this story, they're, they're traveling out of Egypt, but then Pharaoh immediately changes his mind and he sends his army after them. He says, I'm gonna wipe you out off the face of this earth. Dire circumstance, right? And the, the Israelites find themselves coming up to the Red Sea. So they've got this impassable object, this Red Sea on this side, and this incredibly powerful force, Pharaoh's army on this side, and they are trapped in the middle. But yet what they don't know is that God is about to make a way right through the middle. He tells Moses to hold up his staff, and if you know that story, the Red Sea parts, and they walk right on through, dry as a bone, and then when Pharaoh's army tries to pursue them, they're consumed, and God delivers them. But there was a process to it. And there were moments where if they weren't careful, they would have let their circumstance blind them to the promise. They would have let the thing right in front of them keep them from seeing the promise that God had given them. And this this passage has been such a reminder to me that regardless of the what, if we're not careful, we begin to let circumstances cloud our certainty of the promise of God. But I wanna invite you this morning to just repeat this with me, and I don't know how many times you need to say it. I need to say this to myself so many times, but it's this, that circumstances are temporary, but God is trustworthy. Let's say it together. Circumstances are temporary, but God is trustworthy. So I don't know where you're at in the messy middle, but I hope that this truth begins to resonate in your spirit and allow you to see exactly what Moses saw, that that yes, he had been given a promise, and yes, he's now in the middle of a situation that seems like there's a disconnect between what God had promised, and there's this tension that he's feeling in the messy middle, but then God makes a way, and that is what we see as big point number three. Moses had to learn to trust God's provision. Moses had to learn how to trust God's provision. He had to learn that God would provide the resources for the Israelites that they needed to sustain them through the process that he was walking them through. Right, do you see how this all fits together? That God delivered a promise that was trustworthy, that they could believe in, and then he took them into this, this process. He took Moses into this process where he had to deal with the fact that circumstance was trying to cloud his certainty of the promise. But yet God shows up in the middle of it and provides over and over and over and over again. And we see it throughout, throughout scripture. I'm just, I'm gonna rattle these off, but in Exodus 16, they, they find themselves hungry and God delivers manna. And the manna, is, it's this Old Testament representation of Jesus, the bread of life. And in Exodus 17, they are thirsty and God provides water from the rock. And it's like this foreshadowing of what it was gonna be like with the shed blood of Jesus and, and God sending his Holy Spirit In Exodus 17, later on in that chapter, they first faced this opposition from an external force for the first time. You know, now God, up to this point, God has literally been fighting their battles for them, 
right? They haven't had to lift a finger other than to trust God. And then they face this opposition in Exodus 17. And, and, and they find that when they're holding the staff that represents the power of God, when Moses is holding that up over the battle, they're winning. But the problem is, and the thing that Moses needed provision for, was that he got tired carrying that burden all by himself. Does that resonate with anybody? He got tired carrying that burden all by himself. So what did God do? God provided godly relationships and brought people alongside him to encourage him and to help lift up his arms. That's one of the reasons I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of a church with a teaching team and a worship team that continues to lift up the name of Jesus. And in some ways, they, they, they come here every week and they try to help lift up the arms of weary people and say, you can trust God. You can trust God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't bail out before you see the breakthrough. You can trust God. And you can trust his provision. But here's something that we've got to learn about the provision of God. God's provision is on time. Not ours, but his. We see this showing up over and over that the provision didn't happen exactly when they thought it would at times. It didn't happen exactly the way that they thought it would at times. But yet God showed up in his timing to teach them that I am provider and you are reliant on me. And that's a good thing because I will care for you because I made you a promise. So we see this all playing out here in, in Exodus and, and I, I resonate with it so much because that, that's really, it's a part of my story. I, I, I can't presume to, to compare my story to Moses. I haven't been chased down by Pharaoh. Um, and try to be killed, but, but there have been times, certainly seasons in my life where I've had to walk through the messy middle of situations or, or, or times in life, and I, I bet that's true of you too. Maybe you're in one of them, maybe you've just come out of one of them, maybe you're about to head into one of them. I know that's not a very encouraging sermon note, but we can trust God in those, and I, I've seen God show up over and over in, in my life, and in high school, I felt the Lord calling me into ministry. I didn't know what that looked like, didn't understand what that looked like, um, and forgive me, I'm going to get emotional because my parents are sitting up here and it's, it's like I'm just remembering these things that, that God did in my life. And I, I didn't know what that looked like. We, um, uh, my, uh, I'd met my wife, Karen. We'd been dating for a while at that point. And, and I found myself working at another church and God provided this awesome opportunity to help cut my teeth and, and learn so much about ministry and learn how to make a lot of bad decisions. And they were very gracious with me. And they helped me learn and grow, but yet I felt the Lord moving us on to this season of change, and I didn't know what it looked like. Didn't know what the next step was. And I, I can't share the whole story with you today, but, but suffice to say, God caused some dominoes to fall that only God could have caused to fall. And he showed up here, and then he showed up here, and then he provided here. And we, we had no plan. We had no, no, uh, no plan for the future other than we believed that we were doing what God had called us to step into. And God showed up, and he kept providing. And I can tell you, eight years ago, I wouldn't have imagined that I would be standing here today on this stage teaching a series or a sermon about the provision of God. I couldn't have imagined what he Yet here we are, because God's faithful. He's faithful. 
maybe the most important thing that, that we have to learn out of this passage, at least the thing that resonated the most with me. It's, it's easy to maybe think of this in some sort of linear fashion, like first he had to learn to trust the promise, then he had to learn to trust the process, and he had to learn to trust the provision. But there's this thing that's been woven into this whole story throughout from the very beginning. And Moses, I don't know if he learned it earlier, uh, but it becomes really clear later on. But Moses had to learn to trust God's presence. He had to learn to trust God's presence. And there's something that God has been saying and demonstrating to Moses repeatedly from the very beginning. It's that, Moses, I'm going to be with you. If I gave you a promise and I'm walking you through a process and I'm providing, that means I'm with you. We talked about uh, earlier this, this year in a series called A King, A Priest, and A Kingdom. We, we read a passage from, from Exodus 19, and God's meeting with Moses in Mount Sinai, and he's, he's, he's talking to Moses and telling him about how he wants to be present with his people. And it says this in verse 5 in Exodus 19, and, and God is speaking to them about his desire for them as a people. And he says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Do you remember that series that you were a priest? You were made to be a priest. That was God's desire for his people. Um, but just like us, uh, they messed it up. <laughs> they fractured their relationship with God by continuing to turn away from him and, and sin. And Moses had to, had to kind of deal with some of these, these situations and consequences. And, and the, the, the situation is dire. And Moses is having to learn in the messy middle here. And he's having to see that we don't experience the promise the process or the provision without God's presence. We don't experience the promise, the process, or the provision without God's presence. And we see this in Exodus 33 where, where Moses is talking to God about this promised land that the Lord was leading them towards. He didn't know where they were going. He's just trying to follow God's lead, right? He, he has no map or no picture of exactly what this whole thing is going to turn out to look like. Can I get an amen on that? He doesn't know what the whole picture is going to look like. But yet, God's leading him in the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And he says this, and this is so compelling to me here. He says, as he's talking with God, Moses says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. You see, this was a light bulb moment for Moses, and it can be a light bulb moment for us today, that it wasn't because Moses was a good leader. It wasn't because he had everything figured out. It wasn't because there was some slick army that could defeat everybody that came their way. It wasn't because they had everything that they needed. It was because of the presence of God that they had found themselves sustained up to that point. It was because of the presence of God, nothing more, nothing less. It wasn't anything they did on their own apart from the presence of God. And I love one of the things that, that my buddy, Pastor Bobby, says that if you're still breathing, God is still working. 
and you have gotten through every single hard day thus far, if you're sitting here this morning or you're listening online, God has sustained you, maybe even at times when you didn't realize he was the one that was sustaining you. But yet Moses had to face this, this tension of learning to trust God's presence. And he comes to the point where he realizes so clearly that it's God's presence that's allowing him to see the promise. It's God's presence that's allowing him to navigate the process. And it's God's presence that's providing for him that he says, if that's not going to be there, if the presence is not going to be there, then I don't even want to go anywhere else. It's a light bulb moment for Moses. And today, maybe it's a light bulb moment for us because there's this incredibly powerful thing that that happens in in Exodus. And it's really this this foreshadowing. It's what we would call a type or a foreshadowing of of what God was doing, yes, in that moment, but also of something that he was going to do later. And the way Moses led his people out of captivity and out of slavery was kind of this, this mirror of how God was going to send Jesus, not to deliver us from some physical slavery, but to deliver us from spiritual bondage. Because what God knew in this whole story and what he's beginning to teach here and what he's going to fulfill later in the person of Jesus is that we don't have necessarily a physical problem. We have a heart problem. And it's sin. And it separates us from God. It separates us from the presence of God. Moses understood that. That's why he understood how important the presence was, because he had seen what it was like to be separated from the presence of God. And this morning, maybe, maybe you feel distant from God, or maybe you feel like, there's no way I can learn to trust the presence of God, because I don't even know where you're at, God. I need you to show up. But let me encourage you today. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've received the presence of God that dwells inside of you and the spirit of God. Today, you're not an underdog if you're a follower of Jesus. Just like like we see from Moses, the presence of God is with us, powerful things can happen. And I hope you feel not only encouraged by this next statement, but maybe even emboldened that the presence of God that dwells inside of us doesn't give us a spirit of timidness or fear, but it begins to produce this sense of trust. And it helps us work out the tension of trusting the promise of God when sometimes the circumstances try to blind us of that promise. And yet God continues to show up and provide and provide and provide and provide. The spirit of God, the presence of God begins to empower us to say, God, you've shown up always. You're gonna keep showing up always and you're good and you're trustworthy. And I can believe what you say because your track record is 100%. So I don't know what it is that I'm about to face. I don't know what it is that I'm facing right now, but God, you're going to walk me through the middle of it, and I can trust you in it. So what does some Old Testament story tell us about Jesus? Jesus came to set us free. Set us free from the bondage of our sin. 
We've been singing these songs today and they've been hopefully repeating these encouraging truths about God, but, but this one in particular has just stood out to me today that God is a way maker. Yeah, you can clap, that's okay. That's a good point to clap. And if you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. And that God's a promise keeper. And that maybe the most encouraging thing for us today is that God is a light in the darkness. We might not see the whole map, just like Moses, but he's a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet, and he shows the next step and the next step and the next step. And as we keep following him and trusting him and believing him and working through the tension of trusting God's promise, the tension of trusting him in the middle of the process, the tension of trusting him when it seems like there's no way, but yet God provides, and then the tension of trusting that the presence of God dwells inside of us as followers of Jesus, incredible things will start happening around here in this city, in this church, in this place, in your life, in your family. And I believe that not because of what we can do, but because what God can do in us and through us. (laughs) So this morning, as we, as we close out our time together, I want to invite you to maybe, maybe with a fresh perspective and a new reminder from this passage today, because man, it's so good. Please just like get a commentary and go home and like read Exodus. It is so, so good. But let this song and let this teaching from Exodus remind us that this is true about God, that he is a way maker, that he's a promise keeper, that he's a light in the darkness. And dare I say, let us sing it like we mean it and like we believe it. Would you stand as we sing this song? You are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never Have stop working. Have you experienced working. that in your you life? You never stop, you never stop. You're a, a way maker, miracle, miracle worker. worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And you're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. So God, today as we... um as we depart from here, God, I think the temptation is sometimes to just ignore what it is that you're trying to teach us because maybe it presents some, some little discomfort or, or presents us with this, this realization that there are some things in our life that need to change or some reminders that we need to hear about who you are and what you're doing in our life and how you're working, even when we don't see it. 
God, if there's one thing that we carry out of this place today, would you let it be a sense of encouragement and a reminder that we can wholeheartedly devote ourselves to you because we can trust you in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the storm, when things are going great, when we don't know what's next, we can learn to trust the promise of God. And you delivered that through your son, Jesus. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Before we uh, walk out of here today, um, uh, man, I'm so thankful for, for our church and for the opportunity to be able to, to, to share this passage with you today. But if you don't know that Jesus, if you don't know him as, as your savior, and if we're talking about stuff that, that you're like, man, I, I don't know how, but I want that. Like I want that kind of assurance, that kind of belief. Man, would you, would you find somebody after the service? Would, would you talk to us? And we'd be happy to share why we've come to understand and come to know that God is so good and God is so faithful and that Jesus is the biggest deal. So we love you. I certainly don't remember the entirety of the blessing, so I'm not even going to try to give it. But as you go out of here today, know who he is and know whose you are. Amen? Go in peace.